Hello, this is Dr. Melina Roberts, and today we'll be mapping the gallbladder on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'm pleased to be speaking with Dr. Melina Roberts. Dr. Roberts is a naturopathic doctor, author of Building a Healthy Child, and clinic director of Advanced Naturopathic Medical Center in Calgary. She's recognized as one of the top biological medicine practitioners in North America and is a lecturer for the Swiss Biomedicine Academy and Biomed International. She's a leading authority in the field of naturopathic medicine, specializing in biological medicine effectively treating digestive issues, chronic disease, and cancer. Dr. Roberts is a graduate of the University of Waterloo and the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. And I'm thrilled to talk to Dr. Roberts about this very important and often overlooked auxiliary, and I say that in quotes, organ. Dr. Roberts, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk about the gallbladder because it is often overlooked in health and healthcare. And I'm wondering if you can first tell us a bit about its function. Well, the gallbladder, what it's doing is it's holding on to something called bile, which is uh, very important in terms of making sure that we're able to properly metabolize our fats, that we can properly absorb our fat-soluble vitamins like our vitamin A, D, E, K. It's very important for making sure that we can effectively move fat-soluble toxins out of the body. And then the gallbladder also helps with proper bowel movements. And we all know that proper bowel movements are extremely important in terms of our overall health. So that's one of the main functions of the gallbladder is holding that bile and then releasing that bile into the small intestines in a time-released fashion as we consume any sort of fat products in the foods that we're eating. So many things in what you just said, Dr. Roberts. I want to get back to fats, but I love what you said about poop. I always say that if we're not pooping, we're not sleeping, and our blood sugar is out of balance, it's pretty hard to build health upon that platform. Those are non-negotiables. So in what way is the gallbladder connected to our elimination? So the gallbladder is, it's actually, you can think of it as like that emulsifier and right. it's helping to move those stools out by that physical matter in that it's helping with actually producing some of that bile, which is going to help to get those bowels moving. But the other thing that it's doing is, you know, part of that bile is actually moving out through our stool. So I think they say 95% gets recycled in that enterohepatic circulation, and then 5% of that bile actually moves out with our stools. So it's that emulsification, sort of like soap, kind of pushing the stools out, and right. also moving a bunch of toxic loads out through the stools. 
So that bears so many questions about when the gallbladder is removed, which we'll get back to. But I'm wondering if first we can define bile a little bit and maybe its makeup and how it interacts with the fats we eat. Yeah. So our bile, um, first of all, in terms of those pathways, the bile is produced in the liver and then it gets stored in the gallbladder. And then the gallbladder will release some of that bile in relationship to us eating some of those fatty foods. And then it combines with some amino acids and becomes bile salts. And then it can emulsify those foods and then move that really some of that toxic load um, out of the body, as well as help us with proper fat metabolism. And that makes me think about the left side of the matrix. So what I like to think of as the story, and I'm wondering what the triggers are for having issues with bile production or the issues that lead to gallstones or gallbladder issues and pain that result in recommendations for removal? Are they all lifestyle triggers or are there some genetic triggers? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to an overload of fat-soluble toxins that mm-hmm. we're taking in. Yep. And when we have a high load of fat-soluble toxins, and I'll just go through what those fat-soluble toxins are. Yeah. Fat-soluble toxins can be um, things like our pesticides. Mm-hmm. Um, they can also be, we get a lot of those environmental toxins that are fat-soluble toxins. Plastics falls into that category. So um, phthalates, and we think of those PBAs that are in those right. plastic bottles. Uh, fire retardants is another one that we get exposed to and heavy metals. So those are kind of our our big fat-soluble toxins. And when our systems are actually overloaded with those fat-soluble toxins, then the bile actually gets really thick and sluggish and actually isn't able to effectively manage those fat-soluble toxins in terms of making sure that we ensure that they move out of the body. So then a lot of those fat-soluble toxins end up moving into circulation, and then those fat-soluble toxins can actually end up in different fat tissues throughout the body. So including our adipose tissues, it can move into our visceral fat, and it can also move into our neurological system because our neurological system is made up of a lot of fats. So so it tends to be an overload of those fat-soluble toxins. But it can also be that we're not taking in enough of the nutrients that help to make the bile more fluid. So some of those nutrients, you know, can be things like choline is a big one. If we're not taking in enough of that choline to help help the bile to flow a lot easier. Love that. A few questions from there and a few thoughts. I love how this is we go to we take one topic and it's there's it's so rich with so much for how the body should function. I learned from my studies with the late 
Dr. Walter Crinian about the fat soluble toxins and how our fatty foods hold more of those toxins. So if we look at eating organic, eating grass fed beef versus feedlot beef, how that fat that we're consuming, whether it's in butter or whatever we're choosing, is loaded with these toxins that we're then having to force our body to deal with. Yeah, and that's definitely a huge point in that, you know, the same way it happens within us, if we have an overload of toxins that are coming into fat soluble toxins that are coming into our body, it ends up in our fat tissue. But that also happens with our um, industrial animals. So most of our industrial animals, unfortunately, they're fed GMO crops that have been sprayed with a lot of um, pesticides, which are all fat-soluble toxins, they also get an overload of toxins that come into their system, and it ends up in their fat tissues, and then we're consuming them. And um, so we also then also have an overload of fat-soluble toxins coming into our bodies that we now have to try to handle and manage and our bile, you know, another reason our bile just gets overloaded and can't effectively move that toxic load out of the body. And when we think about the increase or the popularization of diets like a ketogenic diet or going back to an Atkins diet and think about how people might be doing that inappropriately or doing it because it's a fad, what could happen if this organ is overloaded? It's essentially one of our biggest detoxification organs in tandem with the liver. Can you talk about that relationship between the gallbladder and the liver? Yeah, so that's what definitely makes it a challenge when you talk about things like uh, the ketogenic diet, and you're talking about um, consuming probably about, you know, 75% fats Mm -hmm. with that ketogenic diet. Um, And you just got to make sure that those fats are really clean fats and that you're not overburdening the body with those fat soluble toxins. So that's where, you know, I'd recommend having things like organic grass fed meats, right? To make sure that they're cleaner meats. And then the oils that you're having that those fats that you're consuming are actually clean fats as opposed to consuming things like corn oils or soy oils or all of these industrial oils as your fat consumption, because that can just be causing more inflammation in your system and further overloading the bile. So it overloads the liver and that gallbladder bile picture. Yeah, I was thinking about inflammation. And when this system is overburdened, And as you said, it gets more systemic how we're having issues that are going to impact the GI tract. We're also going to impact the immune system. There's going to be more oxidative stress. As you said, the brain is impacted. There's so many impacts when we're not nourishing the the function of what our body should be doing with what we should be consuming or exposed to. And that's what we're seeing more and more of these days. Do you see people in your practice who are at risk of having their gallbladder removed or have had their gallbladder removed? And I don't know about you, Dr. Roberts, but we see people in our clinic. I had to put a specific question on our intake form because people were coming in and they weren't even thinking of this as a surgical procedure when they had their gallbladder removed. So they weren't telling us. And when the gallbladder is not there, 
we have a number of issues with what foods we're recommending that person eats or what nutrients they need to help them with that absence. So does this happen in your practice as well? Yeah, for sure. We actually have that on our intake form as well. It's a, it's a little check box that says, do you have a gallbladder? Yes or no, right? Because um, people, yeah, honestly, they don't even think about it and think about that could be the contributing factor to the health issues that they're having. And there's a number of connections there in terms of gallbladder and disease processes. Um, so the uh, in terms of the gallbladder, I think that a lot of people get that gallbladder removed without realizing the implications that it's going to have on their system. So first of all, you know, they're going to have to change the way they eat if they have their gallbladder removed, because the gallbladder plays such a big role in terms of how we metabolize fats, you need to make sure that you're not having a huge amount of fats in one meal, that those fats actually need to be spread out throughout the day. Um, The other thing that you want to do is you want to help support your body's fat metabolism. So you want to make sure you're taking bile salts, um, you want to be taking digestive enzymes. And I would also suggest if someone has their gallbladder removed that you want to make sure that if that gallbladder is removed, that you are actually consuming um, some of those fat soluble vitamins mm-hmm. as in a supplement form to make sure that you have enough of those fat soluble vitamins into the body. What about the bile salt supplementation? And I also want to talk a little bit more about choline because it's such an interesting nutrient. So Do you have favorite ways? Is it always supplementation or are there other things we can do to stimulate the bile salt production? For sure, bile salts would be helpful. Um, But yeah, I definitely have some other tactics that we could be using. Um, One is um, chewing really slowly throughout the day because when you're chewing, you're actually stimulating your body to start producing the enzymes, to start producing the bile. Uh, The other things that we could be doing is, uh, for sure, uh, choline is the big one. Um, Another one would be to be having some fermented foods. So like your sauerkraut, your kimchi, um, your kombucha, uh, your kefir, but ideally more from like a goat goat or a water as opposed to a cow. Um, You want to be, those fermented foods have been shown to help to stimulate the proper bile flow. And then another big one is uh, bitter foods. So uh, watercress, arugula, kale. Horseradish. um, (laughs) Horseradish. And and then, oh, yeah, and then your big ones are your uh, dark chocolate and coffee. Mm. Those are kind of those favorite ones. But those are different ways. Yeah, bitter foods are definitely a big way to improve that bile flow. Dr. Roberts, as you look at the functional nutrition matrix, thinking about the gallbladder, is there anything else that comes to mind for you that you would want practitioners to know in supporting a client or a patient who might be having gallbladder issues or even hidden gallbladder issues that we could then connect back to the function of the gallbladder? Well, I think a a big one that I see in my practice is the connection between proper bioflow and thyroid function, Mm. so that hormonal flow. And I'd say one of the big ones is that because bile plays a big role in terms of fat absorption, and we need those proper fats in order to make thyroid hormones, 
Um, but there was also a study that was done in Finland, which I found really interesting, is that they found that um, people with hypothyroidism um, had seven times more likely to have a decrease in their bile flow. So wow. there's a huge connection between hypothyroidism and proper bile flow. And then they also showed some research that showed that um, that we actually needed bile in order to um, do that conversion from the inactive T4 to the active T3. So for sure, anytime people come into my office with thyroid um, dysfunction, I'm also looking at that bile flow. That was a really interesting piece of the puzzle that I see clinically. Awesome clinical pearl. Dr. Roberts, thank you so much for taking us deep into the function of the gallbladder. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was lots of fun. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and Carla Schaefer on sound production, along with Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com, where you can also find a completed matrix to accompany this episode. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready and waiting for you, just head over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll be sure to drop into your inbox with a short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. Plus, I'd love to hear from you. You have an open invitation to email us. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15 Minute Matrix. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.